everybody. Good morning, good evening, good day, whatever time you are listening to my podcast. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Amanda, and I'm here to talk about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, and a lot of other mental health issues that accompany or stem from post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, I am not a medical professional. I am just a regular person talking about some things that have really knocked me down and the journey of how to come back and how to thrive better than ever, even though uh, we are all dealing with really difficult things. And even though I struggle with PTSD after being diagnosed at 17, um, after an attempted sexual assault, you know, I just keep my eye on the end game. There's just good stuff always coming. And sometimes it's really easy to lose sight of that. So that is why I am here today to keep you uplifted and to keep you encouraged and to let you know that you are not alone. Um, I think last time we Uh, the last podcast we did, um, it talked about finding community and how that's different from finding a support system for yourself, both of which are so important. If you haven't heard those podcasts, I encourage you to go check them out. Um, I think that those are just, there's a really important distinction there. Um, Maybe it's something that you're missing. If you have PTSD, um, finding a community might be really, really beneficial for you. I know that it really was for me. Um, it actually just changed my whole perspective on how to navigate my own, um, healing journey and it helped propel me forward a little bit. Um, so yeah, I really encourage you to check that out. Um, so today I really want to talk about coping, coping with our symptoms, coping with everyday life. A lot of the things that can really just beat down on us, overwhelm us. Um, and this is actually the perfect time for me to talk about this. Uh, this topic because I have really had to exercise my coping skills um, in the last couple of weeks um, specifically because I was supposed to go on a retreat for sexual assault survivors um, or sex abuse survivors before the age of 18. Um, And so yeah, literally, so I had to take a flight to get there, all these things. I had it all set up and ready to go. I was really excited and the night before, so my dad was going to take me to the airport at 3.15 in the morning. I had a really early flight um, scheduled, and I was up all night, all night, just freaking out. Um, it just, I couldn't go to sleep. My stomach started to feel sick. Like, I started feeling the nausea coming on, um, the sweaty palms, um, just feeling really cold sometimes, and then feeling really hot. It was just crazy, the usual panic attack symptoms I go through, the breathing, like starting to speed up. Uh, I would actually stop breathing sometimes. Um, It just got really intense. And so around 2 a.m. that morning, I called my mom into my room and um, she tried to just lay there and help me try to go to sleep, Um, maybe hoping that just her being there would make me fall asleep. I tried, was not working. It was actually getting worse, but I didn't want to be alone. So she asked if I wanted to talk about it, what I was feeling. And I wasn't really sure how to answer, but we ended up talking a little bit about, about like the organization that I was, um, going through and just what I was expecting and a lot of these things. And to a point, it kind of helped validate how I was feeling about the whole situation. But at the same time, I don't know. I was just at, by that point, by about two thirty, two forty-five, I was like, I don't think I can do this. I can't go. I'm just not ready. And I wasn't exactly sure where that all of that anxiety came from. I mean, there's typical nerves. There's That's totally normal to be nervous before you do something like that, um, especially with such a heavy topic. Um, and 
anyways, so I'm sitting there. It's 2.45. I hear my dad getting up, getting ready to go. And I am in full panic mode. And I book it to the bathroom, head in the toilet, like ready to throw up. And I am staying in that position for at least about 20 minutes. And my parents are looking at each other, not really sure of what to do. Um, and they were kind of in this really, really difficult position of not sure whether to push me to go, um, even though I was saying I really didn't want to, or if they should just let me do my thing, let me not go and all of these things. So long story short, I did not end up going. I actually completely bailed on it. And, um, the way that I was describing it to people afterwards was I'm disappointed that I didn't get to go and have the experience, but I'm not disappointed in myself for advocating that I was not ready to go. Um, and I thought about it a lot after, um, obviously like after I like got some sleep and I just took some time to really think about, okay, what led to this huge spike in my anxiety right before I was going to do this for myself. And I think the conclusion that I came to or that I have come to so far is that I was actually really worried about some of my memories coming back. Um, and I wasn't ready uh, to really deal with that and to be in this out of the state, away from my home with strangers, talking about some really vulnerable things that we've been through. I don't think I was ready for that. And I was trying to be strong and trying to say, yeah, I'm ready for it. Like, I'll be fine. Like, what's the worst that could happen? These memories come back. I'll have these questions answered and I'll be, okay, great. Like feeling good. Well, that's a really complicated scenario. That's a really tough thing to explain, but I had to learn how to cope with all of that anxiety that was just really building up. And for those of you who have PTSD, you probably know what I'm talking about, where the anxiety just kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, and you almost feel powerless to stop the cycle or the roller coaster of what you're about to go on. You know it's coming once it starts, but you may not know how to stop it. And if you do, that is so great. Like, please email me um, because I would love to hear how you do that. Um, or contact me on my Facebook page, um, Flourishing with PTSD, or through Instagram. Um, I would really love to hear how you do that because um, I'm still learning. Um, but I basically had to write out that panic attack. It lasted for what felt like forever. And, um, one of my friends actually was awake at the time, didn't know what I was going through, but, um, he called me and we just talked for a while until I could come off of the big, big peak that I was on of just straight terror, panic, anxiety. And he just talked about random things. He didn't make me talk about what I was feeling, what I was going through. Cause I didn't really need to unpack what I was going through right now. I just kind of needed to go to sleep and regroup and then when I had the energy then I could go and do that but for the time being I just wanted to calm down and that's what happened he talked to me for about an hour and around 4 30 or so five o'clock in the morning I finally was able to go to sleep um, I woke up at seven to go to work um, but I couldn't stop crying so I just called out and I decided not to go I took the time for myself I continued to advocate for myself and just cope with what I was dealing with because if I didn't take that time to cope I would have been making things a lot worse for myself and I did think oh well since I'm not here I had the opportunity to go to work make money and like you know benefit myself later with all this cash all this dough yo well <laughs> no no mental health is something that is so low on the totem pole of prioritization and I decided to 
just put myself first. So I took that day to take several naps. Um, and when I woke up, I would try and like think of things that would make me feel better. So I painted, um, I, then I would go back to sleep. I woke up, I took a bubble bath, went back to sleep, um, called my mom just to check in with her and called some other people just to check in and just cause I didn't really want to be alone, but everyone was gone and that's just what I needed to do. Um, that is part of how I cope. I have to get the words out. I've heard a lot of professionals say that if you keep things in when you're feeling them, especially right in the beginning, it builds and it festers and it like it won't leave you. You will not feel that pressure lift off and leave you. And that's why a lot of people, a lot of survivors from any trauma find great relief to some degree um, when they speak out about their trauma or their past to someone. It doesn't have to be this big public audience. It doesn't have to be this huge spectacle. If you just tell like one person, then I don't know. It just, you feel the words leave your lips. You feel that experience, like a piece of it, a little fraction of it leaving you. Or at least that's what happened with me. The more I told people I was like, wow, I'm sharing this experience and I'm feeling a little more confident just in myself because I have control over what I say. I know that the people I'm trusting to tell this to won't, you know, hurt me or use it against me. And that's a huge step. If you have PTSD and you've got, or even if you don't have PTSD and you've just gone through something, I mean, we all have. If you have talked to somebody about it, whether it's right after or it's years later, that is amazing because you are so courageous to be able to deal with that. And it's okay to cry. Part of coping with what you've dealt with is to cry. Or, you know, I guess everyone's different, but I think that crying is a great release of all of those emotions. And there's this big stigma out there, especially against men, where if you cry, you're weak. I 110% disagree and I will tell you why. It's because when you're crying about what you're going through, you are letting yourself feel what hurts you. And when you let yourself feel what hurts you, that is you trying to deal with it and understand it so that that way you can move on. And for me, I had to have my own little cry fest all day off and on all day and that was me getting it out of my system I was alone so I just I had to get it out somehow um and that's what I had to do I cried for hours um and it felt really great because then I was completely exhausted and I was able to go to sleep a really deep sleep and I don't get to sleep deeply very often just because of a lot of the stuff I've been through it's just really hard for my body to completely relax and go to sleep um which is another thing that I have to cope with. But first things first, just coping with the anxiety. Um, some people um, prefer to use medication. Um, when I was telling one of my friends that I that this panic attack had gone on in the middle of the night, I um, she recommended to me, well, have you ever thought about pursuing or like talking to your counselor about pursuing the idea of medication or at least to help you sleep or to calm down? And I was like, no, not really. No, 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 Blah, medication, no. Um, but then I sat with it and I thought about it and my original hesitation with medication was that, um, I didn't want to have something to rely on 
And that is part of me being raised very independently, um, not needing anyone, not needing anything. Um, and so that's kind of where my hesitation comes in. Um, I'm also just a very like natural, um, like seeking kind of natural solutions kind of thing. But the more I thought about it, I was like, well, this has gone on for five years. I have not slept all the way through the night in about five years and I'm only 20 years old. That is not cool. Um, and so I have been thinking about it a lot and I still haven't really made any decisions, but my mind is becoming more open to it because I love myself. I want the best for myself and for my family. And so when they have to witness me up at all hours of the night, freaking out about things that I don't really have control over, um, freaking out about the things I do have control over, it gets overwhelming for them, but it's also overwhelming to me. And I'm the only one that matters in this situation. And so I just became, I'm becoming a lot more open to that idea. And if you're in my position, do some research or talk to a professional. Um, I've heard a lot of great stories about people who have decided to go the medication route, um, whether it's long-term or temporary, to get yourself into a functioning position or strong enough to be able to deal with what is haunting you, um, like by all means, please pursue what is best for you. Um, and yeah, there's just, there's so many ways to go about healing. Um, so yeah. And another thing with coping with anxiety is what I have to do is a coping mechanism that I have developed over, I'd say the last year and a half, two years, um, was I have, I've, have this rush of positive thoughts, which sounds kind of weird. Um, I, because if I don't force myself to have those positive thoughts, I will go down this whole big long rabbit hole of really depressing thoughts. And I might put myself in a dangerous position, um, of self-harm or worse. And I don't want to, I know that I don't want to do that. I know that I have so much to live for so many people who love me and so many people that I love that I never want to put myself in that position. Um, if I'm conscious enough in myself and like aware, um, that I might be heading down that direction to immediately become positive. It's a defense mechanism. Um, I think it's the best one I have to be honest, but anyways, so while I was having my anxiety attack, my panic attack, I was thinking, okay, well, the good thing about me freaking out right now and telling my parents, I don't want to go. And the fact that I'm not going is great because I just set a boundary I just set a boundary for myself that I'm not ready to pursue this kind of action. I'm not ready for this retreat. I am not ready. I want to say no. I want to stay here. I do not want to go. And that boundary was respected. And I was not prepared for that. Um, I was definitely expecting my parents to push me to go. And that would have been really traumatic for me. I'm so grateful that they just decided it was best for me not to be pushed. Um... And I talked in another episode about how important boundaries are and I feel so good about the fact that I was able to do that. Even though I was freaking out, even though I had all of these things going on, I was like, you know, I don't want to go. And that was all it. That was it. I mean, I said it a million times, like begging them as if like, you know, they were going to make me go. Like, please don't make me go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I'm not ready. I don't want to go. And that was it. I, my boundaries were respected. My, I was just, it was, it was amazing guys. It was amazing. Having those boundaries respected is something that I'm not used to. And 
there's just, I found so much joy in that, even though I was so devastated. And so I really focused on that one good thing, that one good thing. And I was, I'm so proud of myself. And yeah, like I said, I'm disappointed that I didn't get to go on that experience. Um, but I got another experience out of it. And that was that I set a boundary and that right there is a small victory. That right there is a success that came out of that really, really difficult situation. Um, another thing that PTSD survivors have to cope with are the flashbacks. Um, I have a really hard time with this. Um, it used to be really easy for me to be put back in that room where the attack happened. Um, really easy. Um, it would take just the smallest little thing and I'd be back in there. Um, and it wouldn't be a consistent flashback. It might've been like, oh, the smell. And then I'd be back for a split second where his face was right in front of me and I could see his eyes, his lips, and I could smell the CarMax chapstick. Um, one of my coworkers was telling me the other day that smell is one of the first triggers of memory. Uh, one of that, like the first, yeah, first trigger of memory. And, um, yeah, and I thought about that for a while as well. And I was like, yeah, no, that's real. Like if I smell CarMax chapstick, it's not, it's not going to be a good few minutes for me or good afternoon or good morning, you know, what, whatever time frame I'm in. Um, and coping with that for me, I can't really cope with it in the moment. I have to wait until it's all done, um, to then process and deal with it. Um, and it's a little bit re-traumatizing every time. It's not, it's it's really difficult to explain, but basically every time that a flashback happens, you just relived or I just relived a small part of that trauma, that most horrific day, um, or night, I guess. Um, and same with, you know, people who come back from war. Um, I don't know. It might be different for every person. Like I said, I'm not a professional, but if they have a, you know, if they smell fireworks like gunpowder and they're back in that horrible place where something terrible might have happened to them or they see flashing lights it could be anything then they're just they go through these little re-traumatizations I don't know if that's a word sorry but they go through these memories and it hurts and um, I've heard another survivor say um, if you're in the middle of like flashbacks or you feel the anxiety coming something that helps is actually if you have essential oils like an essential oil bottle with you um, and if you smell it it kind of regrounds you it brings you back to where where you are or if you're freaking out and you're by yourself look to see if you can name five colors that are around you um, and then think of I don't know uh five more until it's kind of like counting sheep until you become more relaxed you count more colors um and try and associate them with positive things um just you know yourself the best what works for you are colors the most vibrant are colors like the best way to distract you or um are smells the best way to um detract or distract you from uh what's going on coping is different for everyone but learning how to cope in a healthy way is another step to healing the more you learn how to cope the less you're gonna have to be dragged through all of your symptoms um, and so I have started carrying a little bottle of essential oils so that if I'm ever in a difficult situation um, and the anxiety kicks up 
then I can just smell the essential oils for a little bit. And it does actually help me. It makes my stomach ache go away if I'm feeling nauseous. Um, and then I'm thinking about, wow, my stomach ache's gone. And then I'm like, oh, hey, I'm not thinking about the PTSD. I'm like the worst day of my life. Hey, that's awesome. Yay. Um, you know, so it's just like all of these little small victories. Learning how to cope is a huge achievement. And um, a lot of times um, in the early stages of when I was really communicating with my parents, I actually wrote a lot of songs. I'm very musically inclined. And so I wrote a lot of songs to help communicate how I was feeling because I didn't want to have those direct conversations with my parents about it. And so when I was ready, I practiced, practiced, practiced them. I produced them and then I would give them to my parents. I'm like, okay, please listen to this because this is where I'm at right now. Or this is where I was at when you first learned about this happening. Um, yeah, so coping. There's a lot of ways to do it. Medication, talk to a professional. Obviously, do not self-diagnose, do not self-prescribe. Um, do it the right way, do it the healthy way because you want to get better. You do not want to make it worse. Um, and yeah, so what did we talk about? Medication, we talked about the essential oils to distract you or finding the colors, um, crying, letting out all of that, all of those feelings that are just bursting or wanting to burst from inside you or talking to people, gaining confidence, um, all of these coping things are really good. And if you feel that depression afterwards, I know that after I go through a big roller coaster of anxiety and then, oh my gosh, like I usually feel really down because I'm like, wow, like it's been five years. Why on earth am I still struggling with this? Like let it go or get over it or all the usual things that someone who doesn't understand what you're going through. Like I just, I tell them to myself and I would never tell anyone to get over trauma because you can't. It's a journey to get through your trauma. You cannot just get over it. You don't get to, you don't get an easy pass. You don't get to skip through it or skip over it. You have to get through it. And that takes a lot of time. But if you work at it, if you cope with it, if you learn more about yourself, you're going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. Another coping mechanism that I use, um, and I'll wrap it up here really quick, but the last coping mechanism that I always use um, is my faith. Um... I will sometimes just ask God, like, why? Why me? I feel like I was the nicest person, so why? Or like the most innocent person, so why me? And I don't get, I don't get answers, but what I do is I listen to songs or I open up my Bible and a lot of those things I just find in the words. And it doesn't even have to be a religious song. It could be any song. And I don't know if you're religious and you don't have to be. It's to each his own, but I do find great comfort because I look at the bigger picture when I rely on my faith. I look at the bigger picture and I'm like, okay, where does this fit into my life? But I also look at it at, a, at an even bigger picture and I'm like, how is what I went through helping somebody else? Because I can choose whether or not to help someone after what I went through and use it to positively impact somebody else. And positively, uh, positively impact myself. I know that I'm a much stronger, more confident person now than I was even a couple of years ago or before the trauma because I learned so much more about me and how to be strong and knowing with 100% confidence that I can get through anything. If I can get through an attempted sexual assault or an, a sexual assault or whatever the heck happened in there, I can get through anything. 
I can, and so can you. Whether you believe in God or believe in something else, or whether you are completely open, it doesn't matter. You know you. You know what works best for you, and I am so excited to hopefully hear about your journey. I've gotten to speak with a couple survivors um, who have been listening to these podcasts, and it warms my heart to find that community and to be that community for somebody else. It just, it's amazing. It makes me feel more confident. It makes me feel more secure knowing the faces to those names of those statistics, the statistics. It's just, it is a beautiful thing, guys. So I hope that that sheds some light on how to cope with some of the symptoms of PTSD. I'm trying to keep it short. I know I keep going over. I am sorry. Um, but yeah, I'm, so I'm going to stop there today. So have a great week, a great day. Smile at something. Smile at somebody. Make someone else smile. Make someone laugh. All of these things are just positivity is contagious. And the more you can be positive about yourself and about other people and about the things in your life, the easier it'll be to cope with the things that are haunting you today. So, all right. Thank you so much for listening to these podcasts. I hope that they are helping you or helping someone you love somehow. Um, And yeah, we've got this. Talk to you later.